Hi, everybody. A quick message before we begin today's podcast. We have just released a free mini training called How to Work with Labor Pain to Have a Positive Birth Experience. Stay tuned for the end of the episode for more information. Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome everybody to the show. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about burnout as a wake-up call. My guest today is Dr. Kate Hazlitt. Welcome to the show. Hi, Madeline. I'm I'm so happy to be here. Thanks. I think this is a really important topic to be talking about. I think more than really ever. I mean, burnout is something that's always been around, but I feel like on a grand scale, it's like everywhere. So I think this is a really important discussion we need to have. I, I think so too. I um, Burnout is like highly prevalent among women and um, oh, probably men too. But in the times that we're living, it's just so, so heavy. And I think that's where this mission is sort of birthing <laughs> inside of me um, since the pandemic, because it's, it, it shows up in all these different all these different ways so it's I hope that your listeners can glean some some uh pearls from this conversation oh I most certain they will (laughs) but before we sort of dive right into it I thought you know maybe you know we would start with a little bit of context so tell us like tell us a little bit about you and like what's what what got you I mean interested in talking about burnout Right, right. Okay. So um, I'm a naturopathic doctor. That's my professional designation. And I I have a degree in psychology. And I've been working with people one-on-one now for about 15 years. And just kind of seeing your garden variety of, um, you know, concerns regarding health, mental wellness, anxiety, depression, autoimmunity. Those are, they tend to be the the, the people that come to see me. And um, I'm also a, like an introvert, but I like to gather people together. So it's this kind of weird paradox where I love being with people, but um, I've recognized where I kind of need to pull back and, and um, gather my inner resources to, to show up in a way that I want to show up. So burnout for me has been something I have danced with. It's like we do this (laughs) beautiful dance sometimes and that it's this, this pulling back in like, what, what do I need? And because I've learned it through lived experience, I became interested and seeing from that lens and working with other people and how this can show up for others as well. And so the naturopathic medicine piece is really uh, looking at the whole person, the mind, body, spirit approach and creating an integration of 
of the self. And through the lens of, of burnout, we can learn more deeply about the human experience. And it's only really been the last year where this, like I said earlier, this mission is of you know, helping women reconnect with themselves and moving beyond this state of burnout has uh, become uh, my passion, like my driving force of, because, and now I see it everywhere. It's like, once, yeah. you know, the mind creates your world, right? So now it's like, oh, well, we need to talk about burnout. So let's, let's, let's go into it. <laughs> so let's, let's exactly do that. So, you know, people have heard the word, you know, um, but like, what in fact is burnout? It's such a good, good question, right? Because I think intuitively, you get a, a picture or a feeling of what it is like. It's like this crispy fried version of yourself, which if we look at that from this perspective of um, functional medicine or naturopathic medicine, that looks like inflammation. And who doesn't have a variety of inflammation happening in their body, whether it be an ache or a pain or uh, a hormonal um, imbalance of some kind. The, the um, definition of burnout really is summed up as emotional exhaustion. It's when you're at that place of overwhelm to the point where you're depersonalizing, you're lacking compassion, your empathy has gone out the window and there's a sense of hopelessness or despair of like, oh, I just can't, I just can't go on anymore. And it doesn't just show up overnight. There, there is a path that starts and then becomes this end point of I'm done. I just can't do any more. And so that's a, one of those hallmark questions that any woman, and I, I speak in the context mostly of women, of um, if you're saying, I just can't do this anymore, or I need change, that is a red flag of you are teetering, dancing, you might be in it. You might be mm -hmm. just right in it. So you kind of talked a little bit about like manifesting, like how it sort of shows up. It might show up, start showing up in like blood work, right? Hormones start doing something or all of a sudden, you know, you have uh, biomarkers of immune system. So inflammation showing up, which, you know, from let's say a biomedical model oftentimes will be like, oh, well, you know, your thing is elevated. Let's give you something for that. And like, let's move on. Right. Um, yeah. What, you know, aside from, you know, blood work, which we would sort of think about, like, what other ways does burnout manifest? Like you already mentioned it manifests in the, in the thoughts, like yes. the red flag thoughts of I can't do this anymore. Um, but what are some other ways that like are more subtle that might be happening that might indicate burnout is on the way. Yes, there's a big list. I have a big list of like the physiology of burnout. And it's such a spectrum, right? So it it's not like this prescriptive cookbook 
this is what burnout, you know, the check the boxes, you know, do you have burnout? Let's check the boxes. <laughs> it, it looks because there's a physiology to it and burnout ultimately is a dysregulation of the nervous system because you you've been in fight or flight and you may now extend into the exhaustion phase, which is like that freeze or immobilization. The last you, resort. That's right. The last resort. I'm just going to curl up in a ball and rock back and forth because I don't have the inner resources to do much of anything else. So if we look at burnout physiologically through that lens, fight or flight looks like anxiety, insomnia, heart palpitations, high blood pressure, uh, muscle spasms, hormone imbalances, PMS, inflammation, so sore joints, but also gut, gut inflammation, IBS, all sort of colitis, <laughs> like it just keeps going, right? Um, the exhaustion phase, though, because your body has gone more into a shutdown, now we have now we have the um, low immunity. You've got yeah. the the getting uh, illnesses that are really difficult to recover from, where you you know you get through the stress and then you get sick just like that. And I like snap my fingers. I don't know if you can hear that, but it's <laughs> it's um it's that under functioning now. It's Sleeping depression. all the time. Depression. Thank you. That that heaviness, that sluggishness. I don't have the energy to move. I can't get my exercise. It's the um, adrenal fatigue phase. So you're either pedal to the metal and you're running like crazy and life is life is chasing you like the lion would chase you. Or you're curled up in the fetal position saying, I can't go on anymore. And your body feels that heaviness, that sluggishness, the depression. Yes, that, those definitely describe the two, um, the two phases. Um, and so I think, you know, within that, we can see cues. Yes. Um, and, you know, you can see, okay, yeah, this kind of sounds a little bit like me, you know. Um, Let's, can you speak to burnout as a wake-up call? Yes, that's, that's been my reframe because I, I, I think burnout is this, we find ourselves in it and then you can take some action and pull yourself out, but it won't be long till you find your way back in it again. So the reframe is that Burnout really is this call for connection. It's a call for self-love. And if we look at it through that lens, it's actually more empowering. And it's this, it's this waking up of the body because all those symptoms are your body telling you like, see me, see me, like, hello, are you there? And your brain only has so much bandwidth, like to listen to the inner wisdom of the body, because we have everything that we need to heal inside. It's just that the demands coming from the outside or the internal stressors and those thoughts are filling up the bandwidth of the brain so that you actually can't hear or see the messages of the body. And, and so we're that, going too fast. 
too. too fast. Exactly. Too fast. Too fast. Too much. Yeah, that's right. It's overwhelm, right? And so all of that sensory input is like stimulating. You get dysregulated and it's just going to be um, it's <laughs> pandemic times. I, I, I could see the door. It was like creep open. I was like, she doesn't know it's coming. But this <laughs> Right. That's right. This little, little elf comes in and taps my knee and I'm like, oh my God, we're recording. I don't know what to do. And this is, this is how, this is how it happens for us. Right. It's like, That's right. we're trying, we're trying to do so much, especially during the pandemic. Right. right? So too much, too fast, all the time, never That's a right. break. And our bodies are giving us signals all the time. Exactly. That are unpleasant sometimes, yeah, oftentimes. Um, and then they get louder. Yes. Right. The volume just keeps going louder and louder and louder um, till, you know, you have multiple systems like starting to shut down and, you know, fail too. Right. Like I'm thinking from like, the, the clients that I sort of see that, you know, will often come in and it's like, okay, so I have fibromyalgia, I have high blood pressure, I have IBS, I have chronic fatigue syndrome, I have, and I, you know, and there's a list of things and it's like, well, you know, I have a specialist for this and a specialist for that and this, yes. and, you know, I'm on all these medications. Nobody seems to know what's wrong with me, why I have this pain over here. And, you know, understanding it through that lens of the central nervous system, understanding how our body is trying to talk to us all the time. Yeah. We're just not being taught how to listen. Exactly. Right. And we're not being taught like, okay, so now I hear you. And now what? Like we just, we don't slow down enough. We don't have the built-in resources, culturally speaking, I think that like allows us to reframe. And so we just sort of keep going, right? Because it's like, just keep going, right? We productivity, efficiency, just keep going, just add that extra summer camp and this and that, right? And then, you know, we manage it with, I put in air quotes, you know, self-care that's like, okay, I'm going to do like one day of this and all will be well. Yeah. And it's not enough. It's not enough. Yeah. It's this compartmentalized way of living. Oh, if I just push through, if I just keep going, then I will have this break. Meanwhile, your, your intuition, your, your, your authentic self is trying to like get your attention right now in the present moment. And that's, that's the disconnect. And that's what the burnout is the call to reconnect with is that you, you have that message message and the symptoms are just the language of your body. Yeah. And they're drawing you back in to actually reconnect with yourself and, and do what, and and meet your needs and meet those needs that were likely not met for a lot of years, right? Like that goes back to the, the childhood programming is that those needs were never met. We were never, we had to disconnect at such a young age that 
the disconnect means that it be, you, you can't listen to that authentic voice that is, is guiding you and showing you the way. It gets very busy. Yeah. So if, I, if I'm hearing correctly, then you're saying, you know, the, the burnout or teetering in that realm of, you know, maybe you have maybe you have symptoms that are being currently medically looked at and, and, or not, um, or you're feeling off or you're feeling like you're reaching the brim, you know, you're saying, okay, rather than looking at this from the perspective of like, oh my God, my entire world is falling apart. You're saying, okay, what if we pause to say, wow, this is actually an opportunity for me to pull back and really begin to look at what's going on deeper here? Like, why is it that I'm ending here? You know, is this what, I, you know, are the things in my life the way that I want them to be? Yeah. Right. And you're right. Are my needs being met? That's right. Yeah. That's a, a, a great summary of how burnout is really a wake up call. It's this pulling back. It's like a rubber band that you have to pull back and really look at like, this isn't happening to me. It's happening for me and getting curious about, about it and looking at it almost outside of yourself for a moment <laughs> to, to look at, okay, what is the function of this burnout? What, what is this trying to show me and tell me? So you mentioned, you know, early childhood, you know, um, because we do, you know, I, I think a lot of people think of like early childhood trauma as being a, a, an impact for later burnout. I mean, we know like a lot of us in the medical field know about the ACEs study. We know about that part of like adverse childhood events, but like not everybody goes through those like big T's, right? The big yeah. traumas. Uh, so I'm curious about like, how do our um, beliefs or needs not being met as children, like how does that set us up for burnout later? Like, do you have an example of like, a need as a child not being met and then how that then funnels into certain behaviors that leads to, or that increases the risk of potentially burning out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good like question and gathering of like where it comes from because it's root cause, right? A naturopathic medicine and many forms of medicine now they, they, it's important to look at the root cause, like where did this all come from? And the childhood piece and needs not being met is, you know, it's one thing to be housed and fed and have the survival needs met. But as children, there's this uh, aspect of emotional holding that is a, a fundamental need, so of a human need of being seen, heard, and allowed the, the, the space of the authentic self to be expressed. But if, if you've got stressed, if you had stressed out parents that, that themselves couldn't hold their emotional and look after their emotional needs, it would, it's difficult for that parent then to show up to meet the needs of their children. And so that emotional, uh, the lack of emotional holding means that I might create a belief now that I have to... Um, be the good girl, or I have to be really calm and happy all the time. I can't show how I'm really feeling 
because that's going to upset my parents and I need my parents to survive. So I better just deny my, my expression here and find another way to meet my needs. So then you, you, you grow up in this container of believing like, oh, I have to be perfect. I have to give to, to other people all the time. I have to deny my emotional expression. I can't really talk about how I feel because that might mean that I'm rejected and not accepted. And so this piles up. Like there's a, a physiology to all of this. And it just, it, those are like little internal stressors that when they're not seen through, so, you know, using that word again, seen. So if nobody's seen it, I'm not moving through that emotional stressor experience. So it piles up and it accumulates and it accumulates and it accumulates. And then all of that dysregulates the nervous system and you're just in this fight or flight. And so you react to everything that comes your way and you get irritable and anxious and depressed because you just, you don't have the capacity to actually hold the space for the emotions that are coming up. And then when it boils over the shame and the guilt for <sighs> reacting, right? For, exactly. Um, and, and it, you know, I think it, it maybe it might be important for he, people to understand that, you know, we have the fight or flight system and we have the freeze and immobilization, but what we really have is the newest branch of the Vegas, which is our social connection and our safety. Yeah. And I think what we're talking about here really is that, you know, children need to feel safe. Yes. And connected. Yeah. Just as we as adults need to feel safe and connected. It doesn't oh, matter actually so what good. age you're yes. at, but that's what we're that, you know, when our bodies are not getting that need met because God forbid I ask for what I want and then be told, no, it's not so safe. It's not safe. Yeah. So I'm not going to ask for what I want. And then I'm going to get frustrated. Let's say I'm in a relationship with a partner and they're not giving me what I want. Right. And I'm frustrated. Like, how, how do you not know what I want and need? Right. right? But none of that is, you know, being verbalized. Right. Yeah. And so then there's a resentment that builds and then there's passive, you know, passive aggressive behavior. So and, you, you lose the authentic communication. And that's, but that's, you know, that's how it shows up. It's like when yeah. we don't feel safe. Exactly. To express ourselves because in certain circumstances, it may not be safe to express yourself in that moment. And then you develop a core belief about yeah. that experience that says it's not safe for me to express my emotions. And we, you know, I think in the emotional realm or the emotional self is something that, you know, we're not really taught how to, yeah. um, like, express in a healthy way because we sort of label emotions like good and then there's bad emotions and like we don't express bad emotions like anger right right yeah. I'm nodding my head like this whole yeah. time I'm like <laughs> in so much agreement like yes 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 but yeah emotions are they're not they just are they're just an energy they're just a felt experience that moves through the body and the mind puts good, like you said, good or bad. And there's negative, like the constricting ones. They create a constriction in the body, anger, like you, like the ones that tighten you up, fear. 
Yeah. And, and then we have the like air quotes, good emotions, happiness, joy, um, love, like, but it's an expanded energy. But at the same time, they just, they are what they are. And they serve a purpose too, right? Like, yeah. Of course, if somebody violates my boundary. Yeah. Right. Wouldn't it be healthy for me to be angry? That's right. But then a normal expression. But then what do I do with that? Right. Like, how do I stay with it to let it move through so that I can sort of find a healthy way to calm down and then be able to express to that person, like, here's why I'm angry. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that brings up like the compassionate inquiry piece of this type of work is that the first step is really being able to witness it. And, and, you know, as Dan, Dr. Dan Siegel talks about name it to tame it. So if you name the emotion, now you create a bit more certainty around it and your limbic system can be like, oh, that's what that is. Okay. All right. And you start to move out of the, the sensation, like the body sensations of it, they start to move through you. You don't get stuck in it. It's the stuck that's getting stuck that um, prompts the problem because then that physiology continues to happen. You know, just because the, the trigger is no longer in your face, the physiology inside of you keeps playing out. Cause it doesn't close the loop. Cause you don't close the loop. So naming it. Oh, that's anger. Oh, it's not interesting. I wonder why that's showing up. Mm. I wonder why that's here. Like, what does it need? What does that anger need? What does it want to say? And this is like a, this can be something that you just do with yourself with uh, um, another person that you feel safe with that, that safety is key. It's like, it's huge. It has to be there with everything. Safety, healing can't happen unless safety is present. Because, you know, like you said, safety brings you into that social engagement mode. And in social engagement mode, we have learning and we have growth. And that's what healing is, is to integrate, to bring into wholeness. And and so safety, it has to be there in in every single context, whether that be the experience with yourself, like it is safe for me to feel what I'm feeling or with when you, when you're able to communicate what's coming up for you with your, in, uh, in your relationships, at work, at home, safety has to be there. And so bringing your nervous system back into that that um, social engagement mode is like, that has to be there first. That has, and, and it's interesting because I, I, I listen to so many things, but on the weekend I was listening to Dr. Gabor Mate um, talk about the power of connectedness. Um, and, um, and I totally am having a brain fart where I wanted to go with that, but it was centered, (laughs) it was centered around, um, okay. That safe, like going into safety is not necessarily like the absence of those other, um, you you know what I mean? Like being courageous is not the absence of fear, right? It's, you know, being able to find safety, even in amongst the chaos, um, you know, and giving yourself the time and permission to focus in on that safety, 
mm-hmm. allows for like the dust to settle so that you can see more clearly. Right. Um, yes. and I think that's what you're saying is like the need to step back, the need to slow down, the need to pause, um, bring forth a different awareness without getting, I guess, also overly attached to the feelings and emotions at that time. It's like being that observer to step back and be like, okay, what's, what's, what's actually sort of going on here and allowing the mind to kind of go from the perspective of like, what is actually happening here, seeing what sort of comes up. And then once you're more calm and certainly more safe, um, it's easier to make decisions. Yeah. 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 Because you, you, you get out of that limbic system and into the, the cortex, which is your, your higher brain centers are just able to, that conscious mind is able to see with that clarity and really see what's going on. You're able to respond then and not react. Absolutely. Um, And I believe compassionate inquiry is something that Dr. That's a Dr. Gabor Mate approach, Mm -hmm. right? That's right. Um, Do you want to speak a little bit to, to, to that perspective? Like what that's, what that's about? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so compassionate inquiry is a, an approach that Gabor Mate has used and now you know, kind of developed and now is teaching this approach. Um, and it's, it's trauma-informed. It weaves sort of this, this tapestry of neuroscience and somatic experiencing and attachment-based psychology into bringing a person to uncover their core beliefs while connecting safely with the body. And so sitting with the belief, allowing the body sensations to come forth, you release those implicit memories. And, and you, the implicit memories are like, the emotional experience that gets stored in the body without a recollection. It's sort of this, the physiology attached to it. And you allow it that space to, to complete the cycle, to move through to the other end. And in that connection with self, you return the body to safety. And then return the physiologies to a more optimized function. Right. That's right. You have now the the freedom in the body, more capacity to choose of like, oh, there's my reaction. Here's how I need to respond. And and so this there's this neutrality that comes within from doing this work. You can just you really understand yourself at a deeper level that self-awareness cultivates more self-compassion, more space to express yourself authentically and then, and then choose like, Oh, I really can't. uh, It's not safe right now to be authentic. So I'm going to do what I have to do. And then I'm going to return to this situation and clean this up in myself. Right. Right. Um, Let's talk about a different perspective of burnout, which is, is, can it be looked at and viewed as an addiction? 
This is something that I'm, I'm getting more curious about and I've, I'm kind of t playing with the idea in, in what I, how I learn about burnout and what I see come up with people. So if you look at addiction through the lens of it's an adaptation, you know, it's a, it's a, a, a complex psychological and physiological response that has an adaptive purpose. It's been created to keep the organism safe. And if we, if we look at burnout as sort of this collection of behaviors and feelings and uh, thoughts, like there's a whole pathway in what gets you to burnout, just as there's a whole pathway that would, that would develop an addiction. When it's all rooted in this sense of disconnection, then I think we can see burnout having some similarities and overlaps in a trauma-informed model of addiction. That the, it's, it's complex. There's a, there's a whole functionality to it that it leaves some room to work with the self, to understand self. And when you, the little bit of the addictive lens is like, oh, well, to me, it sounds more empowering than just like, this is something that I, that happens and I work through it and I pull myself out and I move on the addictive lens. I see more empowerment because you have, you have a model to work with. We have an understanding of where burnout comes from and this, how complex it actually is. It's not just that you're exhausted. You're, you're, you, there's these patterns and thoughts and programs and beliefs conditioning you've been conditioned by by your um, childhood your upbringing the environment and you know whether that produces burnout or workaholism or alcoholism it's all coming from the same root yeah I, I, and again uh, you know obviously both of us have spent some time with dr uh, Mate's work, but um, I, I remember hearing a podcast of him talking about it's not the sub it, it's not the substance, it's the pain. Mm -hmm. um, and like this weekend, he was talking uh, when I was listening to his presentation. He was talking about his addiction to classical music. Right? Yes, I love that story. You know, I, he was mm -hmm. talking about it because you know the 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 stores closing, right? Where he would get his music, and he was talking about the power of connection, where we would go into a place, we would talk to the person about the music and the interest. And there was this social piece to it. Now it's all digital, right? You could just go click a button and like listen to the music and, um, you know, you, you sort of lose the the power of connection. But, um, but he also, you know, was talking about how like he had to have the, you know, he had to have the latest and greatest and needed to have this piece of music and that piece of music. And so when we talk about addiction, we're not necessarily talking about substance because most of us would, think to go down that route That's but right. you know he he talks very openly about his workaholism yeah because doing right keeps us mm -hmm. from thinking and feeling that's the right things we don't want to think and feel about because it's too painful because it's painful yeah. and then it's like what, what do i do with this now yeah right so like when the wake-up call comes for burnout it's like well now what 
Like, what yeah. do I do with this? What do I do? Oh, it's like the million dollar question. What do I do? Well, I, I touched on it earlier um, is to witness, witness like what, what is happening right now? Why is this showing up? It's asking the question, what is this? What purpose is this experience serving? And then it's diving into some fundamental pillars of well-being to really reconnect and um, strengthen the nervous system. So that might look like gut healing, proper sleep, like the, the, you go into the body, right? Like you just, you want the body to be this solid container. Sleep, movement, hormone balancing, gut, gut health, and connecting, connection to the body, getting grounded and feeling what your body actually feels like. Like that, that idea of connection, like connecting with yourself, body scanning, visualization, like meditation and breath work, essentially. These are the things that all strengthen the nervous system to get it a little bit more out of that fight or flight so that it's not so aggravated in that state. Because if you're in there, in, in fight or flight, your number one goal is to just survive. You're not thriving in that state. You're just getting away to safety. So and your focus, yeah, and your focus is very narrow too, right? Like because you're yes. just looking for the for the one thing. You know, what's the next thing that's yes. going to potentially attack me or stress me or right? And and so you know, the focus is very narrow, as you said, very constricted. Yes. Well, it's difficult to make a, you know, major life decision, you know, like it's very difficult to make, you know, important decisions from a framework of like, where's the next saber tooth tiger coming out of? Yeah. Yeah. Is it to the left or is it to the right? Is it behind me right now? Like you, you can't, that isn't alive. That's, that's not an expression of aliveness. That's, you're just surviving in that mode you're just trying to escape a threat and safety isn't the absence of threat this is what gabor mate says it's safety is the presence of connection Mm. and so when if you recognize that you know this conversation is like oh yeah like burnout that this is really resonating with me it's it's connecting with something that is safe and our bodies hold all the potential of safety. We've been fed this lie that safety is outside of us. And I I believe that's an illusion. I think it, it comes from within and sending those signals of safety to your nervous system ultimately is like your first several steps (laughs) to, to, to recovering from burnout and sending signals of safety looks like getting enough sleep because when you're when you're sleeping well you're send that your your nervous system is able to actually be in a, a calmer state of like okay i'm not threatened anymore well it's confusing right because if you're in fight or flight you are not going to sleep because legit a tiger might 
kill you. That's right. Right. Yeah. So by reinforce, so like by not trying to sleep or like working on ways to find better sleep, you reinforce the information that the environment is not safe. I am not safe, but if you're actually getting rest, then that provides new inputs into the nervous system that challenges the belief that I'm not safe. Exactly. Like, yes, I mean, you can't buy into the idea anymore because actually you are, are more rested and you have some clarity. So, so we talked about like, obviously some like body mechanics and a couple of steps. Now, from my understanding, you sort of have like a 12, 12 step process, right? Again, kind of tying into, you know, is, is our burnout an addiction, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm assuming that's where the 12 steps comes from. That's where that comes from. Okay. (laughs) Can, Can you speak a little bit to that? Like what that looks like? Yeah, sure. So the first four steps, I've kind of already covered them in sending these, these bodily signals of safety through the gut, through our uh, central nervous system, um, through our hormonal system. And again, like these things are all interconnected from a, a standpoint of scientific evidence. And once you have this sort of holistic foundation, now you have something to work with, to dive into those beliefs. So the next, after you've kind of gone through the four steps of the body, now we look at four steps within the the mind and that's uncovering core beliefs. It's reparenting, it's, it's calming the inner child and it's, it's learning how to uh, take responsibility. So I'm going to go back to Gabor Mate and how he breaks down the word responsibility because it, it can at first sound like you're blaming yourself. But responsibility through his perspective is responsibility, being able to respond and coming out of that reactivity mode. I just, it, when I first heard it, it just like, there's like this light bulb that went off like, oh, that's what that means. Taking responsibility means that I'm being my, the leader of myself. I'm, I'm able to respond. Of course, we're all able to respond. Like we have that capacity within us. And then we, we have to dive into um, the heart or the spirit and that's looking at forgiveness and gratitude. It's looking at the role of self-compassion and how to access that. And then it's learning how to live from that place, right? To really create a foundation so that you're not going back to burnout. You're actually claiming that happiness is your birthright, that bliss is a state of being that is available to every person going through these steps allows the integration of the body, mind, and heart to really heal because healing is about, it comes from the word wholeness or integration. You're bringing these systems into a state of connection. And then from there, right, you sort of set up the physiology to be able to do what it needs to do to actually, you know, 
heal that tendinopathy that just doesn't seem to heal or, you know, um, get the energy that you were like, man, this, you know, this has been like long gone. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, that having that vitality to then do the exercise and then the exercise helps you heal more Mm -hmm. and like, right. So it all kind of fits in from, from multiple perspectives, but I think the, you know, the guiding force is that safety and connection. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's, it's like the imprint of the life force, right? If there's a more metaphysical way to look at it, this life force or prana, it's, it, it requires that container of safety to actually express itself. Otherwise it constricts that life force. It doesn't go away, but it, it constricts and it gets covered up by conditioning and expectations. And then you, you don't bring your whole self to your life. Your, your potential is not expressed. Yeah. And I, you know, and then coming back to like that wake up call from a positive perspective is like, you know, it's, it's the wake up call is to tell you you're not living the life that you were meant to be living. Mm, that's right. right? Oh, I love, yeah, I love that. That's right. So, you know, it's actually rather than being, you know, I guess reframing it from the perspective, like, oh man, like this, this sucks, it, you know, and d- dislike of, and wanting to get rid of all the feelings of burnout is like, if you reframe it from like, man, you know, this is my opera. This is, this is, this is my self giving myself the opportunity to look at and therefore live the life that it was meaning to have. Yeah. Versus just literally going through the motions. Yes. Like sleepwalking through it's the, the difference between sleepwalking through life or having a meaningful life and a, a meaningful life is like a protective against burnout because if you're actually doing the, the things that provide you a lot of meaning, it's, it's your purpose. It's your destiny. It's your Dharma. Like this is your soul's expression and you're expanded. You're not constricted, like trying to fit this mold of everybody else. You're just your unique self, your unique blueprint. And that is um, like the the recipe to a meaningful life or the price of admission, there's going to be some discomfort. Like it's not comfortable walking the line outside of your conditioning. It's really uncomfortable, actually. Yeah. (laughs) You know, riding that line of like, this is what is expected of me this is what I'm called to do. And, but the, the meaning that it provides and living out that um, potential of who you are, it protects you from burnout. Yeah. I, the, the only, it, like I'm, I have a thing that's like popping up into, into my head as you're yeah. sort of saying this and that's like, Glennon Doyle, the author of Untamed, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
said, we can do hard things. Yeah. Right. And she, you know, tells, tells her story of like having to do hard things. And yet from those hard things, you know, she gets what she wants. She gets her happiness. She finds her bliss. That's right. Right. Um, But had she not taken the courage to like do the hard things and say the things that are hard to say and do the things that are hard to do. I mean, she had a period of time where she wasn't doing those things and how that was like negatively impacting her life. And then you do the hard thing. And all of a sudden, like, it's so paradoxical because they get easy, right? Yeah. It's so much easier to do things when you have energy. It's so much easier to do things when you're coming from a place of that life passion. It's so much easier then the workload is the same, whether to stay in your misery or to move forward into your bliss, the workload is still the same, right? Yeah. But I think the important key, and I think what can be helpful when you're going into that discomfort to make that change is that sense of connection, either to somebody else or to yourself. So you still need some deeper sense of safety, like some deeper Mm -hmm. anchor within yourself to be like, everything is going to be okay. Or somebody who can be there beside you to say, everything is going to be okay. We're going to do this together. Um, So I think you do need that. That helps with the courage to, to do the hard thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, anyone listening, um, like recognize that humans are not meant to really function alone we're meant to function in community and and that's that connection piece and remembering though that connection is a uh, is like the hallmark of safety so whoever is your guide whoever's walking beside you through this type of inner work there needs to be that sense of safety and so that it could be a therapist, it could be a best friend, it could be a part, a spouse, a partner, um, or any other professional. But that sense of safety has to be there all the way through because that that container is your mirror. That container is going to show you what direction you need to take. It actually helps you see the truth of who you are when you're in a state of connection and safety. And then you just, you have, you can listen, right? Like you just need to be held. That's all it is. It just needs to be, be held in non-judgment and with compassion. To be able to do what needs to be done. That's right. To live that meaningful, blissful life. Like it's out there. You don't have to go really find it, right? There, there is a, there is a parting, parting of the forest. You know, you can't see the forest for the trees. Like it's, it's sort of the gold in the, in the messy life. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, being in a a sense of safety allows us to sort of let go of needing to control every last little bit. Right. That's right. Uh, Knowing that like, you know, you have support. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have that person like right physically there, but like, as you are kind of letting go and making big life decisions and trying to live your true authentic self, it can be very helpful to then pick up, you know, the phone and, and call your mom, you know what I mean? Or whomever is the person that like, you know, can say like, I'm, you know, I'm proud of you. You're doing awesome. Like kind of work through the physiology, the fear, because when you make a decision, there's, 
Yeah. Then it's distinguishing like, is this fear or is this excitement? Because both of which can feel very yes. similar. Right. Yes. It's that, that paradoxical effect of the of our nervous system. It's like, that's where, when you take that step back and ask, you can feel the body sensations. There's a, there's a difference, excitement and fear. You will feel that differently through your bodily sensations. So excitement is like, that's aliveness, right? You're coming alive or fear is like constricting. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to know, or I want to ask you, like if people are interested in kind of learning a little bit more about your 12 step process or interested in what you're doing or the information you're posting, like where, where can people find you? Where can people follow you? So I hang out mostly on Instagram um, at Dr. Kate Hazlitt ND. And my um, that can link up to my website, which is a little bit under construction right now. So it's not like my primary spot at the moment, but I'm I try to be fairly active on Instagram to put out these different messages. So it's probably the best place to find me. Awesome. And we'll put the links in the show notes. So it makes it easy for you to Ooh. find her and get the spelling and all of that stuff. Um, so that with that, that'll be linked in the show notes. I want to thank you so much for coming and chatting with me about this. Cause I think it's important for us, you know, to talk about. And I think certainly in uncertain times, this is, this is, you know, also an opportunity for us to really look at what do we want? What do we need? Right. And it's, it, it can be an opportunity for tremendous growth. Yeah. Um, but it, there has to be that willingness to, to go in and really look at that through a deeper self-compassionate, you know, lens. So I appreciate you sharing your perspective um, on this. So thank you. Thank you so much, Madeline, for this opportunity. It's been really fun having this conversation. I love connecting with people that you can just sort of go vibe back and forth. Totally, totally. (laughs) And it it helps like that, you know, I I literally watched like the power of connection on the weekend. Um, So it's all like nice and fresh in my mind. Um, That's right. So thanks for that. And of course, you know, thank you to our listeners for joining us on a weekly basis. If you're not already subscribed, then I definitely suggest that you do so that you don't miss out on our very cool conversations. Um, And, you know, share this out with, uh, you know, share this across social media, because again, like you may not see it, but it might be happening for somebody close to you, somebody that you know, who's, you know, struggling with burnout. And maybe this is like the reframe that they need to build the courage and the safety container to like live the life that they want. Right. Cause what is this podcast all about living a better life? Right. So you don't know who you're going to impact. Um, when you share, when you share out episodes. So we would obviously greatly appreciate that you do. So on that note, I say goodbye And we will connect again on the next podcast. Hey guys, thanks for hanging out. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we have recently released a free mini training called How to Work with Labor Pain to Have a Positive Birth Experience. And in this mini training, I take you through what pain is, 
how labor pain is different than like an acute ankle sprain type of pain. I talk about the three different ways that you can work with pain. And then at the end, I actually teach three different ways that you can work with labor pain to have a more positive birth experience. If you would like to access this free mini training, you can go to courses.ecophysio.com forward slash mini training, or you can look in the description of today's podcast episode. At the end of the description, a link will be there for you to get the free mini training. Hope to connect with you there. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.